welcome to this edition of the Castle Bridge podcast. Uh, I'm Daryl O'Brien, and uh, because the rest of the team are all really busy today, working with clients and helping them solve problems, I'm stuck in the office with the the, the office intern. Uh, say hello, Roisin. Hello. Uh, Roisin is my daughter. She's ten, and she's really interested in data protection. So I'm really, really glad we've got Andrew from the Data Protection Commission here with us today to answer some questions from a curious girl about data protection. So Roisin, over to you. How would you explain data protection? So how would you explain data protection? To, to, is that to grown-ups or to kids, Roisin? To kids. To kids. Okay, that's good because we, we would like grown-ups to pay daddy to have data protection explained to them. But how would Andrew explain data protection to kids? Well, that's an excellent question, Roisin. And I would basically begin by saying that our job basically at the Data Protection Commission is to make sure that the companies that collect and use your personal data keep that personal data safe and secure. And we also make sure that they obey the laws on data protection and make sure that you can exercise your rights in relation to the data that they have on you. So if you have a concern that a company with which you've shared your data is using that data in ways that contravenes your rights, then we can investigate your complaint for you and take actions against organizations that don't comply with those laws. Should we do? Sorry, uh, sorry, I'll, I hadn't quite finished there. So it's also our job to make sure that people understand and know what their own data protection rights are. And that's also a big and very important part of our role. So we explain what data protection law says, uh, both from the perspective of people like you and me and from companies by publishing information on our website and also through other activities such as our public consultation last year. Now, in particular, the uh, job of the Children's Policy Unit where I work is to explain to companies the special rules when it comes to collecting and using children's personal data. So this means we have to uh, set out what the data protection laws say uh, when they want to collect personal data from children and we also have to explain to children and parents what their rights are in language that they can understand. I hope that that uh, gives you some idea of what data protection is as a concept and also what the work of the Data Protection Commission is. Should we be worried that our data will be taken? So that's a very good question. And a very big part of what we do is to make sure that uh, the the, the people of Ireland, but also all over Europe, know what their data protection rights are. So our job is to make sure that you understand what data protection is and that you are informed when you're uh, in a relationship with uh, companies, like for example, companies that offer you games or let you create accounts on social media, so that you can be in a position or your parents can be in a position to make informed decisions about whether your uh, data is adequately protected by that company. So the consultation on children's rights, Andrew, that was something we were we, in Castlebridge we were interested in. We actually contributed to it, and Roisin took part in it as well as a, an individual contributor. What's the current status and state of play on that consultation? So that's a very good question, Dara. And the answer is that we're currently working on a draft piece of guidance for companies and other organisations to help explain the rules around processing uh, children's data. So by guidance, what I mean is we're setting out in more detail explanations for companies on what these rules that I referred to earlier around uh, collecting and using children's data are. 
So this work is at a very advanced stage and I can give you the following bits of information that we haven't really shared with many people outside the office yet. So the name of this guidance will be called Children Front and Center Fundamentals for a Child-Oriented Approach to Data Processing. So children's fundamentals for short, as we're calling it. So why the fundamentals? Because we're hoping that this guidance will set out the baseline standards that we expect companies to follow when they're collecting children's data. So companies will be free to go above and beyond these standards that we're setting out, but we're putting them out as a minimum threshold. So our goal is to make companies raise their game, both in terms of the protections they provide to children's data, but also to the degree to which they empower children. So what we're saying to companies is, if your service is popular with children or likely to be accessed by children, then you can't respond to these new rules by saying, oh, children's data is too hard. Let's just stop dealing with children and boot them off our platform. So we're saying you have to do your homework and make sure that your service is safe for children and that they're, they can continue to use it just as they have always done. So we'll be putting this document out for public consultation very shortly. So we'll give companies such as Castlebridge another opportunity to review the guidance before publishing it in a final form later in the year. And in time, we're hoping to also publish a child-friendly version of that guidance to help children understand in language that they can under, in, in language that's appropriate for them, what their rights are and to exercise those rights in relation to companies. Fantastic. So a bit of a scoop there for us, Roshin. The guidance <laughs> coming out. That's great. Um, do you have any questions for Andrew now? What rights do children actually have under data protection rules? So there is a short answer and a long answer to your question. Uh, the short answer is basically that children have all the same rights as adults. And this is a misconception that we keep having to fix here at the DPC. If I had to pick one fact that we keep having to correct or one uh, myth that we keep having to myth bust, it's that people tend to think that children don't have all the same rights as adults or that their rights belong to their parents until they're ready. But that's not technically true because it's your data, so you have rights in relation to that data at any age. Uh, so to answer your question, all the same rights as adults. But to give a slightly longer answer, um, you, because children have all the same rights as adults, it would take a long time to go through them all. So perhaps it's best just to highlight the top two or three that are the most relevant for you and for other children listening to this podcast who might want to, who might, might want to be aware of. So a big one is what's known as transparency or the right to be informed. And that basically means that companies have to tell you in language that you understand what they're doing with your data and why. Now that last bit is very important because companies uh, could make the mistake of thinking that they only have to communicate with your parents. So they'll say, we'll give this information to the parents and if the child has questions, they can ask their mom and dad for an explanation. But that's not good enough. They have to tell you in language that you can understand in a clear and short manner what they do with your data. So that's a big one. Another important right is the right of access. And that basically means that you can make a company tell you whether or not they have any of your personal data. And if they say yes, then they have to give you a copy of that data. Now they have to do that within a reasonable time period, usually within a month. But the main thing that you should take away from this is that companies have to make it easy for you to make an access request. So what that means is if you send an email to a company saying, I want a copy of my data, the company can't turn around to you and say, 
oh, you contacted the wrong person or you, you should have uh, said it in a certain way or you should have phoned us. The point is that it's not up to you to uh, oblige them. You, as long as you make it clear that you want a copy of your data, the company has to treat it as an access request and respond accordingly. Now, the final right that I'll get into in response to this question is your right of erasure, which is another big one, which means that you have a right to seek the deletion of your data from a company that is holding it. So most commonly in relation to, for example, if you're closing your account with a social media company or a gaming website or something like that. Now, this isn't an absolute right. And there are many examples, if you think about it, of organizations that are allowed to hold onto your data, even if you don't necessarily agree. So for example, the government has to hold your data and uh, some of your data under the necessary laws. Your school has to have some data in relation to you, such as you know where you live and the subjects you're enrolled in and your grades, et cetera. You can't make them delete that data, obviously. But one important fact about the right of erasure where it relates to children is that uh, companies have to give special consideration to requests from uh, children or from people who gave their personal data to a company as a child. So what that means is it carries a special weight and we at the DPC will take it very seriously. So one thing we do for fun in, uh, in, on a Saturday when Roshan's bored and needs something to, something to occupy her, Andrew, is that I make her read the data protection notices of all the games and applications that she's looking <laughs> to use because um, I think it's important and one of the one of the complaints Roisin has is that they're often very long and hard to read, um, and it's difficult to find information like where to send a, a, an access request and things like that. Um, you want to know why that why they're, they're always so long and hard to read? Is that right, Roisin? Yes, and also, where would you find the access request place? So, well, that actually sounds like a very sensible uh, strategy, in my opinion, because as I mentioned, this information is very important and uh, you have to understand how companies use your information and what happens to it once you've handed it over. So I think it's a very good idea that you are reading through these information notices and, and privacy policies. Now, basically, the answer to your question is that companies aren't doing as good a job as they could of telling you what you need to know about your personal data. And that's why these uh, information notices are very long and very complex. Now, we of course understand that sometimes the data collection and the activities that a company is doing for your data is complicated and it might be difficult to explain, but really companies have to give you this information in a manner that's short and that's clear and that's in appropriate language for a child to understand. So. Well, our advice is that companies have to be creative in considering the ways that they could present information effectively to individuals, and in particular to children such as yourself. So the fact that we see this, uh, these, the, these, these information notices in such long and kind of mind-boggling complex ways doesn't really pass muster in my opinion. And another thing that I'd say is that we've achieved this at the DPC. Uh, you will remember in our consultation, we had a lesson plan pack of materials that explained data protection to kids. And one of the ideas in those materials was a, a, a fictional app that we made up called Squadshare. And in the lesson plan, we explained Squadshare to students 
We uh, talked about the sign-up process and we talked about the permissions that it asked for. And then we told children in very simple language what Squadshare would do with your data once you created an account and gave them permission. So we said that Squadshare, for example, would access your mobile contacts and you would know whether your, your mobile contacts also had Squadshare. It would be able to access your, your, your pictures and, and videos on your phone. Even if you didn't share them through the app, then it would be able to find out information like where roughly you took them and what time. And also any content that you, that you shared on Squadshare would become uh, their property that they could sell to advertisers without telling you or without uh, paying you any money. So when we explained this to children in our lesson plan, they were obviously very surprised because they didn't see anything remotely resembling that in any of the privacy policies for the games and, and, and services that they use all the time. So what, what, this is, what, what I'm trying to say is basically that there's a lot more that companies can do to make this kind of information uh, straightforward and accessible and understandable for children. And if we in the DPC can do it, then companies can obviously do it. And we hope that the guidance we'll be publishing will encourage companies to do this in more creative ways. But how do how do you find the um, access place to contact a company? Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I uh, what I what I meant there was that if you send a company an email or if you phone them or uh, you know the the point is it's not your job to submit an access request in the right way. It's up to the company to. Uh, pay attention to all the uh, communications it receives from the people whose data it has, so that if it gets something that it understands to be an access request, it can respond to it quickly. It can't make you, particularly as a child, uh, submit your access request in a particular way. Excellent. So, in terms then, Andrew, of um, parents, and again, this is where Roshi and I sometimes have conversations for want of a better word because uh, she's grown up around all of this so she's slight, probably slightly better educated in data protection than the average 10 year old where do parents have control in terms of children the rights of children and, and how should organizations think about that dynamic between the child's rights and the parents rights in terms of appropriate organizational controls so that's a very good question and i would begin by saying that it's important to uh point out that any kid who's, even where parents are in control, any child who's old enough or mature enough to give their own opinion should always at least have a say in uh, the exercise of their rights. So even when parents are making decisions about uh, the, uh, the digital presence, the online data sharing presence of their children, they should always try to keep them in, in the loop and to discuss these issues like you're doing with your daughter and to have their views heard. Uh, so, it, and as I said earlier, it's important to remember that these rights fundamentally belong to the child. So parents are basically only borrowing those rights until children become old enough to use them themselves. But that's not to downplay the role of parents in uh, protecting their children's data until they're ready to do it themselves. That's extremely important. And conversely, even after children feel ready to take control, we would encourage them to similarly keep their parents in the loop and to try and exercise your rights jointly where possible. So even if you feel uh, old enough or mature enough to submit an access request, uh, it might be a good idea for you to ask your parents to do it anyway. You might uh, feel more comfortable getting your dad to write an email to a company you know, using grown-up language, and that would make, make you feel more confident about contacting the company. But also, uh, 
when the company responds to you with a copy of your data, it might be a good idea to share it with your parents so they can help explain it to you and uh, help you read through it and understand what the company has gathered about you. But the main difference really between uh, parents and children when it comes to exercising data protection rights is that parents have to act in the best interest of their children when they're exercising their rights for them. So we can generally assume that this is the case. You know, companies don't need to check check up on parents and say, "Are you exercising? Uh, are you are you exercising their rights in their best interests?" But if a company uh, thinks that something fishy is going on, like if a uh, if, if if a parent is making an access request on behalf of a very old child, basically very short of the age of eighteen, then they're entitled to ask some questions like, "Well, is there any reason why the child can't do this themselves?" So. Basically, it's it's up to parents and children to really uh, cooperate together on ex on 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 exercising data protection rights wherever possible. That would be the core recommendation I would make. Excellent, thanks, Andrew. So we we have to cooperate, Roshin. You can't just stamp your foot and want to have it your way all the time. Exactly. Uh, for people who are writing data protection uh, notes, what can they do to help kids and adults understand them better? So people writing data protection notices, uh, Andrew, what can they do to help people understand them better, both kids and adults? Because we even see it from a grown-up's perspective, sometimes people let the lawyers loose when they should be letting uh, English teachers loose uh, on some of these uh, data protection notices. So uh, that's a very good question. And it ties into the point I was making earlier about how these can be very lengthy and complex. I mean, one way that they can make them simpler for everyone is by putting all the information into a table so that it's uh, more easier to see different categories of information that they have about you and that way you're not kind of uh, you know you're, you're not just kind of pouring through like a, a seemingly endless lengthy written notice that seems to say everything and nothing at the same time but uh, as regards now regards transparency in relation to children our view is that companies should uh, always do everything that they can to convey as much transparency information to children as possible. Now, I appreciate that that's not always possible because when you're dealing with very young or pre-literate children, then it's obviously going to be the case that the company will have to give uh, privacy information mainly to the parents. But we would encourage companies to think creatively about this. So, for example, if you're, you, you could at least have a cartoon or a YouTube clip that conveys in a very high level basic uh, data protection and online safety issues about the importance of being safe online and not sharing your data with strangers. Uh, you could also, uh, and this was something that children suggested in our consultation, there was a lot of mentions of breaking down the information of privacy notices into bullet points and uh, summarizing the core information as much as possible and using colorful fonts and highlighting the information that children need to know so that they don't uh, skip past it. Uh, so there's a lot of suggestions that uh, children made in relation to making privacy notices more accessible, and we think that they really hit on the, the nail on the head, and we would encourage companies to have regard to this. Fantastic. And that's all going to be addressed in the, uh, the, the children's fundamentals guidance that's coming out shortly as well. Uh, yes, absolutely. One of the sections will be on transparency and the right to be informed and how it relates to children. Fantastic. Roshin, do you have anything else you want to ask Andrew before we, we let him go back to chasing down people who are doing bad things with data? <laughs> How can kids find safer ways to do things like post videos or chat with their friends? 
So how can kids find safer ways to do things like posting videos or chatting with their friends, Andrew? So, um, yes, so I, I think I should begin by pointing out basically that um, when the Data Protection Commission can, uh, when we talk about safety, we can only talk about safety specifically in relation to sharing of uh, personal data. So when we're talking about broadly online, broader online safety issues, such as uh, uh, cyberbullying or uh, inappropriate online content or fake news, we can only speak to or investigate those complaints uh, to the extent that they touch upon uh, someone's personal data. But as a general rule in relation to the concerns that you're raising, I would say that adopting a common sense approach to uh, sharing your friends' pictures online is the main way to go. Um, data protection law doesn't apply to things like you taking pictures and videos of you and your friends and sharing them in a very closed uh, circle. But where things can change is when you start posting things online and on social media, because then you're posting it to a much larger audience. And basically the way to resolve that problem, I would say, is to just be very like talk a lot to your friends and listen to their listen to them when you post a bit when you post a picture of them online. If they ask you to take a picture that you've posted online down, common sense would indicate that you should listen to them and and you know take it down, because the shoe might be on the on the other foot someday, and you will want them to take down a picture that they've posted of you that you don't like. Uh, and this ties into another misconception that we often get at the DPC, which is that people tend to think that just because they've taken a picture that it's their property, but if it's a picture of someone else, then it's their data and the data protection rights apply. But also uh, just in relation to um, messaging friends online, I would say the main thing to bear in mind is just never lie about your age or pretend to be your parent in order to join a social media uh, platform uh, you know, to, to keep in contact with your friends. It's very important that you you are always honest in relation to your age online and that you keep your parents in the loop because those protections are they're there to keep you safe. So just, yeah, in uh, all this to say, you should just be sensible online and keep your parents in the loop. Fantastic. I absolutely agree with the keeping parents in the loop thing, Andrew. It's very important. Um, and also because of a lot of the controls and a lot of the protections around um, processing of data, under, under legislation are based on age-related age, age related thresholds. That's why it's important that kids are uh, not trying to fib about their age to get in, but unfortunately, it, it does happen. Um, yeah. I, I suppose at this point, I think we're, we're kind of coming to the end of all of your, your questions, Roisin. Does Andrew have a question for you about how you might be able to help the DPC in thinking about children's rights, because you, you you were very eager to contribute on the consultation uh, last year, um, and it's something you're interested in. So, Andrew, do you have any questions for Roisin? Uh, well, I, I don't have any questions off the top of my head, but uh, I do remember uh, Roisin's uh, submission, and uh, I think that uh, Roisin very much uh, hit the nail on the head, particularly in the sensibility uh, piece, because uh, we actually thought that Roisin was one of the teachers when she first wrote in because she sounded so mature. And we <laughs> thought, well, this is this is great. It's a shame that she didn't ask any of her students. But then we realized, oh, she's a child herself. That's fantastic. Uh, and also, I thought that Roisin's uh, contribution on uh, uh, targeted advertising was very good. You made a point that the... Um, what was it? That the difference between ads that pop up on your social media feed and ads that you see on 
television or that, these, these, these ads are based on your data and they're aimed at you directly. And I thought that that was a very mature and astute, astute point to make. So I suppose the only tip I'd have is that you should uh, keep reading the privacy notices, as your dad says, and keep uh, following our work intentively. And uh, thank you again very much for participating. Okay. Thanks very much, Andrew, for your time. And I think we've, we've covered off all the questions today, I think, at this stage. Is there anything else, Roshan, that you think you, that you think you need to ask Andrew at this stage? Because we've co- touched on a lot of these things. Sure. Mm. If you have any questions... Is any- there anything else we haven't discussed that you'd like kids to know? Actually, that is a very good question. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on, Andrew, that you think kids should know, or indeed their parents should know? Uh, yes, that's a, a very good question. And I suppose... I'd like to end then by focusing a bit more about what we mean when we talk about protecting children's data, because uh, it's encouraging to see, and I see this in, in, in my work every day, that people feel very strongly about the importance of protecting children online. And that's a very important piece of the puzzle. But uh, this focus on shielding children from the unsuitable parts of the internet is very, very important. It can't be underestimated, but we tend to forget that that's only half of the battle. And we also need to empower children by giving them appropriate services that they can use for study or to develop their interests or to grow into rounded adults and you know for all of these reasons and this is more important now than ever really in the context of uh, the coronavirus uh, where children are more dependent now than ever on these online services than ever before and we also have to think particularly about vulnerable children such as children with separated parents or from financially precarious families and we have to do everything we can to avoid a two-tier internet where some children will have access to paid online services that don't collect data, but others have to make do with the free services, free in quotation marks, uh, which uh, rely on them sharing their data. So I'd like to conclude then by just emphasizing that we really need to talk more about protecting children within the internet rather than herding them off into a curtailed uh, section of it. And thus protecting children and empowering them are Arden's opposites are mutually exclusives, but two sides of the same coin. Fantastic. And again, Castlebridge welcomes any opportunity we have to collaborate with the commission on, on, on ways of doing that. And we have a, a guinea pig here ready and willing to help uh, with any uh, contributions that might need to, to, to be looked at by uh, a slightly smarter than the average 10-year-old, 10-year-old. Okay, Andrew, thank you very much for your time today. Roisin, do you have anything do you want to say thank you to Andrew? Thank you. Thanks, oh, Roisin. Yeah. Thanks, Dara. Thanks very much for having Thanks. me. That was the Castlebridge podcast, where we were joined by Andrew Carroll from the Office of the Data Protection Commission and by Roisin, the intern from Castlebridge. 